Good morning. Thank you, Steph. Thanks, Rob. You know, this morning, you might not like me very much when we work our way through this, but I'm hoping it will actually encourage you. One of the things Paul talked about on Vision Sunday was discipleship. Um, and that's what I want to try and unpack a little bit today. And discipleship, it says in the dictionary, a disciple is someone who follows the teaching, the life, and the aims of another. I don't know about you, but sometimes I've followed the life and the teaching of the aims of some people who've not been very helpful. It's like those moments when you're sitting in your car in traffic and you think to yourself, why are all those cars turning left there? They know something I don't know. And you think, they know a shortcut. I'm going to follow them. No, they're just going home. Sometimes we follow people because we think they have the answer. Sometimes we follow people because we think they're going to show us the right way to go and we end up in a dead end or at someone's house that we don't actually want to be at. Anyone else? Did you do it on holiday as well when you think, we don't know where this place is that we want to go and visit, but all of those people there look like tourists. Let's follow them. <laughs> oh, that's not where we want to go. <laughs> because we just assume and think that these are the right things to do. You know, for me, the person who I'm following, and I hope for many of you, the person that you're following is Jesus. And if you're sitting in here this morning, you're thinking, well, I don't really know what I think about that, and um, I haven't really made that decision that I want to follow Jesus, that's okay. I'm hoping that the things that I say will encourage you, will help you to see the benefit. But also, if you still go away with questions, like Steph says, sign up for Alfie. That's what it's there for. So, I just want to have a little look at a few ideas of what a disciple looks like. Is that okay? So, I've got five things. And there's probably a million of them. Please don't come and tell me after. Oh, you missed this. I know I've missed a load out, but I've just picked a few. So, this is what a disciple probably looks like. They follow Jesus' teaching. That means reading the Bible and doing what it says. They love people. Their neighbor, their enemy, the person who winds you up. The person who frustrates you and forgiveness is involved in it. Number three, that they have a godly and Bible-based lifestyle. Don't often like that one, do we? Number four, they share the good news. And that's a priority in their life. As a disciple, I want to share this good news that Jesus has shown me and I want to share it with other people. Number five, that they're generous. Not just talking financially, but generous with the time, generous with the love, generous with who they are. If you want to hear a great message on generosity, I know he's my husband, but that was a stonking message last week, Paul. Please go online and listen to it. So these are things that a disciple hopefully looks like. And if you're following Jesus, hopefully you can say, yeah, I can do some of those things. I feel passionate about some of those things. There may be areas where... Mm, Maybe I need to work on that a little bit, but that's okay. But how do we journey this through then? If we're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, or well, I'm thinking about it, but I won't listen to what you're saying anyway, because I'm stuck in here and I can't get out. That's okay. If you're thinking, I'm a follower of Jesus, I want to be these things, but actually I'm struggling to be these things. I don't know how to do this. I'm struggling to be this disciple that Jesus has called me to be. I want to look today at that journey and how we outwork it. And for us, Jess, if we can have the image up um, that Paul showed on Vision Sunday. This is an image that we looked at. Ben, what year was it again? You're going to have to help me. 2016. 
2016, we started working this through with church. We felt to bring it back again, to remind people, to show people who've perhaps not seen it before, just simply to say, these are things that we feel are helpful things for you to do on your discipleship journey. So the breakdown into, because we're called Breathe New Life, we thought it'd be nice that it sounds like breathing. Is that okay? So the inhale, the things that you take in, the exhale, the things that you take out, and the environment that you grow in. So I'm going to unpack some of these things this morning. Ephesians 4.15 in the message says this, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. God wants us to grow up. Let's have a look then, shall we? So let's look first. It talks about inhale. So the inhale is those things that you take in. And on the image, it talks about engaging with God, the Bible, teaching. These are all things that we believe are healthy and good for you. It's healthy to spend time with God. It will do you good. It's healthy to read the Bible. It will do you good. All of these things, as you take them in, it will strengthen you. It will do you good. And the reason I know it is because I know it does me good. And there's obviously other people in here who know the same thing. You know, we can breathe in many, many things in our lives. We can breathe in negativity. We can breathe in people's opinions and people's points of view. We breathe in the TV. Paul and I watched this series the other week. It made me bad. It was just, oh, because you're breathing it in. Sometimes things are just no good for you. And you've just got to say, actually, this relationship is not good for me. I need to put boundaries in. This thing that I've been watching is no good for me. I'm not going to watch things like that anymore. It upsets my system. And you've got to look at those things and think, are these things doing me good? If not, why not? And if not, why am I still doing it and letting it come into my life? Always, always go back to God. Go back to the Bible and go back to good teaching. You know, I believe this inhale is about life choices. In Titus 3, 3 to 5, in the NIV, it says this. At one time, we, were too, we too were foolish. Anyone been foolish? Anyone ever had a moment of madness? Just me. Disobedient, when you know what you should do, but you just don't do it anyway, like brushing your teeth at night deceived you know sometimes we are deceived sometimes we just don't know what God's ways are sometimes we've got some ideas or some thinking that we've heard somewhere and it might not necessarily be true sometimes through things that churches teach sometimes it's not necessarily correct and right you've got to look at what's been sown into you weigh it up At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. Sometimes things just trap us, yeah? By all kinds of passions and pleasures, we live in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, Nothing you can do, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and 
renewal by the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to renew you. But it's about the things that you take in that bring that renewal. It's about putting Jesus at the forefront. It's about praying in tongues. It's about repentance and accountability. It's about reading your Bible and prayer. It's about healthy and helpful relationships. It's about having prayer ministry sometimes. And it's about having that support of good relationships around you. It's the renewal comes by what we take in and allowing God by his spirit to come and change our hearts and our minds. If things aren't going well, if you're struggling, ask yourself, what am I inhaling? Am I inhaling negativity? Am I inhaling, you know, things that people are saying to me that aren't helpful? What am I taking in? You know, and I could stand here and give you a list of things that aren't good for you. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Do you know, I'm not going to do that this morning. I think it's more important that I say to you, no matter what you're doing, there is hope and there is renewal in Jesus. What I'd encourage you to do is sit down and say, Jesus, show me. Show me the areas that I need to move away from. Show me maybe relationships that aren't good for me. Show me things that I do that aren't helpful and are damaging in my life. And I pray that by his spirit, he will reveal them to you and you'll change what you're inhaling. Romans 5 verse 5 says this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, shame, shame is a huge asset that the enemy holds, that he wants to come and put over your life. When you get something wrong, when you turn away from God, when you get involved with something you know you shouldn't, when you get involved and go somewhere or do something, you think, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have watched that, I shouldn't have been with that person, I shouldn't have done all of these different things. And the enemy comes in and makes you feel ashamed. But hope does not put us to shame. There is hope in Jesus. So this morning, if you're sitting there full of shame about things in your life, I want to say to you that God wants to set you free from that, that you no longer have to live under that shame. And that shame often comes and it causes offense and it separates us from the body of Christ because we think, I'm so ashamed, oh, I, just, I can't go and face those people, I can't see them, they know what I've done, they know what's going on and I just feel ashamed of it. The best way to counteract shame is to actually go and face it. And to actually go and face people. You know, and I think to myself, there were many times in my life where I look back and I think, I feel ashamed of the things that I've done and how I live my life at times. And I know God's forgiven me the years and years ago. And all of a sudden I'm sitting praying or doing something else. And they just pop in your mind. And you think, where's that come from? I want to encourage you when those things happen, stand against it. Say, no, I have hope in Jesus. Don't let shame overcome you. Don't let it drag you down, but allow God to keep breathing new life into you. Let's just pray for a minute, shall we? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and pour your love into our hearts and minds, that you would overflow in our lives as we inhale you, that you would be poured out. May we be renewed. And may the world therefore be transformed. 
all glory going to you, God. Amen. The inhale is about your life choices. Spend some time. Let God speak to you and show you what's good for you. The next one on the diagram, if we can have it up there again, Jess, that would be really helpful, is the exhale. And it talks on there about, it's those things that you give out. It's about serving. In church, yes, but serving other people, serving in your community, serving those around you. It's about evangelism. It's about lifestyle. It's about, it's about what you give to other people. And it's out of the overflow that this exhale comes. Because otherwise what happens is we know in our minds, well, I should do these things, A, B, C, D, E, because I'm a Christian and so I should behave in this certain way and I should do these certain things. But when they don't come out of the overflow of who we are because we're not full up because we've breathed in, it actually comes out of a forcing. And when we force the breath out and it's not overflowing from us, it becomes unnatural. Therefore, it can become unhealthy to ourselves, but also to other people. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at with this, no matter where you're at in serving and in giving and in many different areas, I want to encourage you to be honest this morning. Don't force the exhale. Don't force things that you believe are right for you to do, but actually say, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. And this is, I know I should be there, but I'm right here now. I know then what I need to work on. I need to work on these different areas. You know, and our natural reaction is often to hide. In Genesis 3, we see Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree, and then everything becomes apparent to them, and so they hide from God. And so often that's what we want to do. We want to hide. I want to encourage you. It's not about hiding because of the reality of where you're at. It's about saying to God, actually I'm here and allowing God to clothe you and give you a new hope and a new future. Don't force the exhale. Be honest about where you're at. Discipleship is about journeying to become more like Jesus. You know, Jesus, as he worked with his disciples, he took them in steps come and see, then follow me, then a little bit more, love one another, then he gave him a bit more, continue in my word, then he gave him a bit more, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus took them on a journey and he wants to take you on that journey as well. Don't look at where you're at and think, oh, look at where you're at and say, thank you God for showing me the things that I can work on and that you want to you help me grow in. It's about taking a deeper step. You know, people sometimes walk so far and then they stop or they camp at a certain place. We saw it with Jesus' disciples in John 6. Many of the disciples, it said, deserted him. And why? The reasoning for it was this. This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it said many of them turned away. I want to encourage you, if you've hit that spot, if you've hit that wall and you're thinking... This is hard. I'm struggling with this. Push on through it. Keep believing. Keep going. Keep saying to God, God, I'm struggling with this. God, I'm struggling to put this in place in my life. Get people around you who can support you and who can help you. Don't give up. Don't camp where you're at. Jesus wants us to go on a journey. 
And you know, this journey is about trusting God more than anything else and believing that his ways and his will and purpose is best for us. You know, I believe God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He wants you to grow and become more like him. And you know, sometimes it's just about letting go of the past. It's about letting go of the things that sometimes stop us with the exhale. Because it's like, well, I've done this before and it just didn't work. Or, well, I'm just putting my energy into this instead. Or, I'm just, you don't know how difficult it is for me. You don't know what my circumstances are. You don't know what's gone on. It's about laying down those idols. You know, and personal growth is very often about laying down idols, about laying down the things where we choose to put our time and our energy and everything we've got and thinking, actually, I want to serve God first. I want him to be foremost in my life. Let's have a look at Jacob and how he works this through. So we're going to join him in Genesis 35. And Jacob in his life has not always been the most honest of characters. He left his mother and his father, went to find a wife and came back with a number of them instead of just one and did lots of different things. And then he came back and he had to meet his brother Esau who had stolen his birthright off and was afraid to meet him. And then we join Jacob, just after this, as God does something new in his life. So Genesis 35, 1 to 5, it says, Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourself, and change your clothes. So Jacob one of the patriarchs of the faith has got foreign gods in his house. He's got foreign gods in his house. It's just normal. How many of us have got things in our lives that we place a higher value on than we do God? That are more important, that have a stronger weight and a stronger pull? Let's see what he does. Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me everywhere I've gone. So God's been with him everywhere he's gone and there's foreign gods in his house. What's that about? And we're like, oh, that's a terrible thing. Fancy having foreign gods in your house when you know God, God's walking with you. We have all got foreign gods in our house. They may not look like they looked then, but we've all got things that we place above. It says, so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears. Not sure what that's about. And Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. God's looking for your whole heart. You've got to ask yourself, what has got a higher place in my heart? What is it? Is it myself? Because very often, let's be honest, it is. Because we're all selfish people. Is it my family? Do they come first every time? 
And your family, yes, they are important. Yes, they need to be important. Is it relationships? Is it security? Maybe it's other people's approval. Success, health, wealth, food. Definitely after prayer and fasting. Intellect, comfort. It's not about being judgmental. It's about saying, this is where I'm at. I need to bring some change. God, you need to be bigger than myself. God, you need to be bigger than my relationships. Because when he is, he will bless them. And we see that. And the most amazing thing in this, when you look back in chapter 32 of Genesis, when Jacob goes to meet Esau, the thing that he was afraid of most of all was Esau overpowering him. Yes? But we read at the end in verse 5, Then they set out and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. The thing that Jacob was scared of the most about being overpowered or pursued is the thing that when he got rid of the foreign gods in his house, that God blessed him and made sure that he was safe. And I want to encourage you, when we change what we breathe in, and therefore we change what comes out of us, then there's amazing blessing that flows from God. Be honest. Say, this is where I'm at. But this is where I'd like to be. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is about the environment. So if we put the image up again, Jess, please, thank you. And as part of that, we talk about key relationships and circumstantial response. Ultimately, it's about where you're planted. You know, you plant yourself in good soil, you're going to grow well. Sometimes you can't do anything about where you're planted. Sometimes it can be difficult. Work can be difficult. Relationships can be difficult. Life can be difficult. Sometimes it's not easy. But then it's about how you respond and the people that you choose to have influence your life, if that's the case for you. So whether you can choose to move yourself or whether you're in a place that's difficult and there's not a great deal you can do about it, I believe that to become a disciple of Jesus is we allow him to help us to connect with good people and also help us to respond appropriately in circumstances, then those are the things that help us grow. Rick Warren says this, you must want to grow, decide to grow, Make an effort to grow and persist in growing. I'm going to read it again. You must want to grow, decide to grow, make an effort to grow and persist in growing. It's about the continuation of the journey. Keep going, keep going and keep going and keep going some more and I'll just keep going some more and keep going some more. So I want to talk to you specifically about one area. And there's so much I could talk about. It's such a massive topic. And I just feel like I'm just skimming the surface with little things. But hopefully they are helpful. I just wanted to talk about changing our response in one specific area. And that's the area of anxiety. And I don't know about you, but I think this is a major issue for us today in this society. Apparently each week, six in a hundred people are diagnosed with mild anxiety. And those are the people who are diagnosed with it. There are many people who suffer with anxiety and never go and get any help or do anything. 
Now, before I say what I'm going to say, I just want to put a disclaimer on it. You know, if you struggle with your mental health, there is nothing wrong with going to the doctors. There is nothing wrong with taking medication. So I would encourage you, if you are struggling, go and get some help. Go and talk to someone. At the same time, I believe that God is a healer and he can restore you and he can help you. And we would love to pray with you after. But that being said, there is nothing wrong with that. You are no less a Christian. You have no less faith because of it. Go and get some help. You know, one of the best things I did after my mum passed away was went and got some bereavement counselling. It was so helpful. I never cried so much in my life. I don't generally cry. Paul does all the crying at our house. But it was the best thing that I'd ever done. And I was like, well, I quite like counselling. Well, I'll go get some more. What can I get some more counselling for? It's really helpful. Like, got, like addicted to it. <laughs> That's probably not a good thing either, is it? We need some help about that. But I want to encourage you, it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go and get help. It's good to do that. That was just an added extra for free. Okay, so I want to talk about changing our response. If you're struggling with anxiety, no matter where you're at on that, I believe that we can find from the story of Elijah two very different responses that Elijah himself makes. So before we join him, let me just give you a bit of an idea who Elijah was and what was going on. So Elijah was a prophet of God. God had spoke to Elijah and said to him, go and tell the king at the time that I'm going to stop up the sky and there's going to be no rain. So he did that and then he went and hid for a few years and God fed him by ravens and then he went and he met with the king again and he took on all these false prophets and they did all these things and fire day came down from heaven and he burnt up Elijah's offering and then he prayed and he prayed and he prayed on his knees and then it started to rain and then for some bizarre reason he ran really quickly like faster than Usain Bolt and beat the king back to where he was meant to be. All these these miraculous amazing things and then the king's wife Jezebel at this point is really not very happy with him sends a message saying I'm going to kill you and this is where we join in so 1 Kings 19 verse 3 says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life the man who called fire down from heaven who'd killed a load of false prophets, who'd ran faster than the, any man on earth had ever ran, who'd prayed for rain and it had come. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Elijah was struggling. Anyone feel like that sometimes? Just one thing, just one message, just one thing you see on Facebook that's directed at you slightly, just something somebody says, just something, an email that comes through, just something that you're asked to do at work, and that anxiety comes. And I believe this is the difference in it. Elijah was taking in fear and negative predictions. He breathed it in. Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he breathed it in. He took in the fear of it. He took in the negative predictions. Well, I'll be dead. And thought about all of these things. And what did he give out? That negativity. Because he gets so far with his servants and just leaves him. The person who had been serving him, who had been working with him, who understood God and who was for God, he just left him there. 
He lay aside that good relationship because he was so full of fear. Elijah became planted in other negative people in what Jezebel was saying to him. In the circumstances, he pushed people away. And so often when we feel anxiety coming, the things that we do are the things that don't help us. So when anxiety comes, we often shut down. When anxiety comes, we often don't want to talk to people or be close to people, especially positive people, because they are really frustrating when you feel anxious. We choose to separate ourselves. We choose to run from where God's called us to be. But then, a little bit further down the line, let's join Elijah again. In 1 Kings 19, 15, verse 8, says this, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Elijah had gone down a road that had led him to a place of fear and anxiety because he'd allowed what had been said to him and spoken over his life to take hold and to become bigger than who God was. And God told him, go back the way you came. Go back to where I called you to. Go back to that place where you should be. You know, sometimes we go so far down a road, we like to run away with us. We run away with the fear, run away with the anxiety. Emotions, ideas. Oh, well, what's the worst case scenario of what could happen? I know I'm terrible for it. I'm like, I'll make a whole picture in my mind of what's going to happen. You know, there's been a couple of times over the last few months where, where things have happened. And because, because I'm a tick box person and I like things done and dusted, that's done, I can put it away. Sometimes with circumstances and with relationships, don't work like that. And they have to pan out over time. And so I find that quite difficult, especially if I'm feeling a bit anxious about a circumstance or a situation, or what on earth is this other person going to do that I can't control? I can control everything else in my life, but that person, <laughs> I can't. So it makes me feel anxious. And instead of allowing God to speak into me with hope and faith, I allow fear to speak into me with, this is the worst thing that could happen, Sarah. This is the most horrendous thing that could happen. Be ready for it. It's coming to get you. And I will sit and I'll be like, I'm so anxious about this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. But Elijah does this instead. He goes back the way he came. He goes back and finds God. So instead of taking in the fear and those negative predictions, he takes in God's word, God's promises, and God's guidance. You know, sometimes it's really difficult to know, well, what should I do? It's finding those scriptures that, that just encourage you. So as I was saying the other month when I was really struggling, really anxious about a situation, there was a scripture. I was like, God, you're going to have to help me because I'm really struggling with this. And I felt like he gave me a scripture. And every time that turning in my stomach, every time it came, I was like, no, God says this. No, God says this. And it would come. And I'd be like, oh, I'm okay. And then it would come again. It's like three seconds later. And the enemy will try and wear you down and wear you down and wear you down. And you have got to be stronger and keep saying it and keep declaring it. No, I'm not having this in my life anymore. My God says. 
So instead of taking in that fear and negative predictions, taking God's words, his promises, his guidance, instead of them breathing out the negativity, oh, you never know what's going to happen, I don't know what's going to happen, it's going to be awful. Instead of breathing all of that out, give out a positive confession. My God says. And plant yourself with people of faith. They might drive you up the wall when you're feeling anxious, but they will do you good. You know, in your circumstances, move away from those negative people where you can. Move out of those difficult circumstances if you can. And I think the most amazing thing when you look at the story of Elijah is he then went on and he found a new servant who was Elisha, who then went on to become the next great prophet in Israel at the time. Elijah learned from running away that the only place that he was going to deal with his anxiety was with God. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're struggling with anxiety, I believe God wants to give you a word in season, that God wants to encourage you, and that God wants to let you know that he is with you and that he is for you, and that he's got people he wants to put around you that can help you and that can encourage you. And I believe that he wants to give you a word from the Bible that you can use as a tool to combat that anxiety. It takes intentional intentional commitment. Are you committed to breaking through? Are you committed to the journey? Are you committed to becoming more like Jesus? Because when you are, then he walks with you and he helps you. If the band want to come and join me, that'd be great. So I'm going to conclude with this. And I feel like I've just scattered a load of things all over the place this morning. But hopefully... You can get some things from it and it can be helpful. Okay, so what do I do? What do I do? (laughs) What do I do then? How do I grow and become a disciple? Just one thing at a time. Just pick one thing at a time. Okay, I'm going to read my Bible more. Okay, I'm going to get a good relationship, someone who can input into me. What is that one thing? And put it in place in your life. And when you've done that, pick something else. Don't stop there and think, oh, done done the discipleship thing, Sarah said. No, pick something else then and work on that. Pray. Ask God for help. God, help me. Help me with my life. Show me, show me what my idols are. If you're sitting there this morning thinking, I'm all right, I haven't got any idols, go pray. <laughs> go pray. I said to God, I said this to the leaders on Wednesday. I said to God, God, why am I struggling with this anxiety so much? What's going on with me? And I've been asking him and asking him and asking him. And I just, he's just, nothing. Are you there? Asking him and asking him. And then all of a sudden he said to me, Sarah, it's pride. I was like, okay. But if you don't ask him, then he doesn't tell you. And if your heart's not ready to hear and be honest with where you're at. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I'm being honest with where I'm at. That God is working through and working things in my life too. But I want to encourage you to have the confidence to ask him and allow him to speak to you and allow those things to grow and deal with them in your life. So pray. Walk in good company with people who will do you good, with the Holy Spirit. And don't give up. Go again go again and when the teaching seems hard like it did for those disciples and they walked away from Jesus don't walk away stay close to him where else is there to go he's the only one with the words of eternal life to this morning I want to encourage you 
We're going to sing a song that talks about speaking Jesus over all the aspects and areas of our life. And as we do that, I want to encourage you to say to Jesus, Jesus, come and be the biggest thing in my life. Come and fill me afresh in my life. Speak Jesus over those circumstances. Speak Jesus over those idols. Speak Jesus over that anxiety. And you know, I want to encourage you practically. Go home, sit down and allow God to speak to your heart and mind. But if you'd like some prayer, there'll be people at the front and we would love to pray with you. You know, and if there's things that I've said this morning, you think, if, if that's what God can do, I want to know him. Then again, come down to the front. We would love to talk to you and journey that through with you. Come on, let's stand. I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. I pray that you would encourage us that we would inhale and exhale you. That you would strengthen us in the environments we find ourselves in. God, as we speak you, as we speak Jesus over our lives, I pray that you would do miracles this morning. I pray that you would cause breakthrough. I pray that you would help us to become more like Jesus. Give us a hunger and a passion for you, God. God, and for those this morning in here suffering with anxiety, God, I pray that you would minister to them. I pray that you would give them a scripture in your word that encourages them. God, and we believe for breakthrough for them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we're going to sing Jesus' name over our circumstances.